Yeah, COP22 uh, is taking place in Morocco at the moment and that's uh, the heads of um, climate change action in all the members in, in pretty much all the, the states of the world coming together to uh, develop on from the uh, the Paris Agreement that was signed uh, last year. The Paris Agreement was, uh, again, a, a worldwide attempt to mitigate the impacts of climate change. So I suppose from COP22, we're hoping to see the, the Paris Agreement developed on. We're hoping to see more member states who signed up to it actually ratifying it and implementing the things within their national law that they said and I suppose uh, and this is a new element there, there's, there is a, uh, uh, an element of dealing with the consequences of the, uh, the American election in the, in, in the last two weeks because we are going from a situation where we had uh, a president who was broadly supportive of, of the moves to address climate change on an international basis to a president who is uh, anything but it's certainly a stark contrast. Donald Trump has called uh, climate change a hoax. He's expressed a desire to bring back coal production in uh, rural uh, US uh, states. And he also wants to pu- pull out of the Paris Agreement. Uh, so how damaging would all of that be? <clears throat> well, all of those things are, are, are damaging on their own. Um, of course, with, with Mr. Trump, how much of it is, is exaggeration, how much of it is real. Uh, when you see so much of what he said during the presidential campaign, you have to hope that some of this is exaggeration. But I think there's no doubt that many of the people behind him uh, who are on the far right of the the Republican Party and have been um, forever uh, sceptical to climate change and resistant to any measures to deal with it are very genuine in their opposition, would love to see the uh, removal or the downgrading of the, the US Environmental Protection Agency, would love to see the US pull out of the Paris Agreement. Now, legally, it would take them four years to do that. And hopefully within four years, we might have uh, somebody else in the White House if, uh, if, if, if things work out well and democracy works out well for us. But obviously, we, we, we can't bet on that. But those, those if, if Donald, Donald Trump is serious in completely ignoring the obligations that America as the most industrialised nation in the world has to cut its climate emissions, um, massive damage could be done in four years, like absolutely catastrophic damage if they dramatically increase their coal output, um, if they uh, refuse to engage in various mitigation measures. Uh, We could have a situation and you have this, I suppose, the magic number of two uh, degrees that it is argued that if we can keep the climate uh, the, the global temperature increase below two degrees, we can prevent what's described as runaway climate change, which is when you get an, uh, a series of very dramatic effects. But if Trump implements all the things he's talked about, we're getting very close to that two degree raise, which would have absolutely catastrophic effects. Yeah, Donald Trump uh, backed, of course, by a Republican controlled uh, Congress. Um, he uh, the sort of mood music seems to be that he could pull out of that Paris Agreement. If he does that, how much of a setback is that um, for the worldwide movement to try and control climate change? I think it's big because America has the largest proportion of emissions. It's 17% of world emissions under the calculations done on the Paris Agreement. Now, as I said, legally, it would appear it would take America four years to resile from the commitments they made Uh I gather Republican lawyers are looking to see if they can fast track that. So a lot would depend on whether. But I suppose there's a question of legally withdrawing and there's a question of doing things that are at variance with it. And if Trump decides to uh, act against what was decided in, in the Paris Agreement legally or 
illegally I think he'll probably do it so so it is a huge worry and the point you just made there Stephen about it's not just Trump we're dealing with a Republican uh, uh, Senate and House of Representatives uh, both of which contain many real climate uh, sceptics um, you know it, it is it is a really worrying time on, on the international sphere uh, Dennis Nocton, the Minister for the Environment, will be at that uh, summit in uh, Morocco later. He said that Ireland will live up to its climate change responsibilities and that national climate a national climate change di- dialogue will be launched next year uh, with young people at the heart of it. So what do you hope that will achieve? Well, we're not living up to our responsibilities. That's the first point. The EPA had a report out uh, late last week that shows us dramatically overshooting our targets on pretty much every area, agriculture, transport, energy emissions. So, you know, I welcome a dialogue, but what I'd actually rather see being done is actual measures been taken to reduce our emissions. Like talking is great, talking is important because we have to plan how we're going to do this over what's going to be basically the next 40 years. But I'd like to see action as well. And and we haven't seen any action by either this government or the previous government. And today, you know, probably heard on the radio this morning, we're talking about closing our rail lines, uh, cutting back our our rail line uh, services. And yet um, over the last three years, our emissions from transport has risen by 9%. So our failure to focus on things like public transport uh, is creating these uh, th- 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 this overshooting of our, our, our targets, our climate change targets. And um, I, I, I'd like to see more than talk. I'd like to see action by the government. Do you think that uh, sort of it's climate change control when it suits the government? Because uh, obviously the economy is growing and they're sort of trying to protect those sectors that are producing, uh, you know, strong growth for the economy. So do you think that they're talking tough, but actually the action hasn't come as you would like? Well, I, I don't think they're talking tough. I think they're 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 making a few nice words like saying there'll be a dialogue and things like that, but they're avoiding taking the difficult decisions. Like I, I don't believe that it's a choice between uh, economic growth and climate and and measures to to deal with chi- climate change. Both can be done, but what we do need is to take some choices because every country, it's not just Ireland, every country. Uh, has a certain limit that they can pollute up to and they have to decide what areas they're going to allow do a bit more and what areas they're really going to make the cuts. So the Irish government have been determined to protect agriculture and say we we have to grow the amount of agriculture we're doing and, and therefore we allow them, uh, the, the cattle and that emit the various greenhouse gases. But that means somewhere else we have to make deeper cuts drop the climate, the the emissions more. That would be in areas like transport, like in in energy production. But in Ireland, we're not prepared to make those cuts anywhere. Every sector saying, oh, you can't touch us. Oh, we can't be expected to to, to shoulder any of the the changes that we need to make. And that's the big worry about what both this government and the previous government, their approach to this. They're not prepared to set out that there are choices that have to be made and let us as a country make those choices. Maybe that'll happen in the dialogue, but uh, I'm worried that the dialogue is just an excuse to uh, bounce taking the decisions, you know, five, seven years into the future. Uh, Writing in the Irish Times today, Harry McGee was saying that implementing tough climate change policies is a bit like selling a pension to a 20-year-old. It's so distant and remote and sort of planning, you know, way in the future. Um, So Ireland seems to be putting it on the long finger and they don't, we have no chance of meeting the target of 20% reduction on uh, 1990 levels, which was promised by the government. So um, most indicators seem to be going the wrong way.
They do, uh, and we're not going to make the, those those targets are the 2020 targets. We're not going to reach them. The next, next, next set of targets are the 2030 targets, and the current government are trying to do everything to avoid and, and water them down. But I think that point you were making about selling a, a pension to a 20-year-old, you know, it's going to be the 20-year-olds, it's going to be your generation and my generation who bear the consequences of this failure. I think we think sometimes we're in Ireland, we've a, a temperate climate. There aren't going to be consequences for us. The consequences will be in, you know, the Sahara or in Bangladesh, countries that are uh, more at risk of some, some sudden climate changes. But if you think, you know, the refugee crisis happening in Europe at the moment, obviously a significant portion of that is war related. Many of the people coming from, from southern and central Africa aren't been driven because of specific wars. They've been driven because their their homesteads, their lands have just been destroyed. They've they've dried up, there's no water, there's no possibility of a life there, so they're moving. So climate change is an element of the migrant crisis at the moment. And we've seen that's absolutely swamping parts of Europe and is going to be one of the big issues that the EU has to face over the next five to ten years. So this idea that here in Ireland we're immune to this is is simply not true. And our government needs to be more honest with facing up to the wider and the indirect but just as significant consequences of climate change.